the Demeter, on charter from Romania to London. Shipping private crates. Contents unknown. Out at sea with no land in sight. This here is Clements. He's a doctor. You dress like a learned man. University of Cambridge. I've known my way around the boat. Our charter has agreed to pay bonus for timely arrival in London. Let me show you the ship. This here is Huckleberry. We don't come with like this to give the use clear. Demeter is a fine boat, no doubt. This looks like a bite. Search the ship everywhere. Evil is on board. Powerful evil. Everybody, welcome to the latest episode of Fresh Cuts. This is Mike. Joining me, as always, it's Mr. Venom. What's up, Venom? Greetings and salutations, Seaman. Wait, Seaman or Seamen? I don't know, whatever. How the <laughs> fuck are you doing, Mike? <laughs> I am doing pretty good. <laughs> I don't have much new to report, but everything's uh, chill over in my neck of the woods. So, uh, yeah, that's about, that's about all I got on that. Nothing, nothing new. But uh, join us as always. Also, it's Don and Nelly. How are you doing, Don? Yeah, what's going on? Always happy to be here. All right. Well, this week we are covering the last voyage of the. Is it Demeter? Is that how to say yeah. it correctly? Okay. Yeah, I always said um, Demeter for like decades, um, just because I had never heard it spoken. But yeah, I guess they. I guess it's Demeter. <laughs> Yeah, this uh, was released this past Friday in the theaters. Uh, for anyone that saw the trailer, yeah, it's it's basically Dracula on a ship. Not really a spoiler. I mean, it's pretty obvious um, from the get-go. Uh, and, yeah, it's nothing that they try to hide through the story. So the synopsis on IMDb, a crew sailing from Carpathia to England find that they are carrying very dangerous cargo. So that's like short but sweet, kind of sets it up without giving away too much. Uh, it is an hour and 58 minutes, so maybe that'll factor into our thoughts because, you know, two-hour movies, 
Uh, sometimes there needs to be some good justification for that running time. Will this one have it? Let's find out. Starting with our general thoughts. So, Venom, what did you think of the last voyage of the Demeter? Overall, I enjoyed this film. It's definitely a performance-driven horror film. Now, I have seen some people kind of complain about the first half of the film maybe being a little slow. Ultimately, you know, you're talking about a movie that's set in the late 1800s that's on a boat in the ocean. How much excitement are you really looking for? You know, we did Die Hard Underwater last week. I don't think we really want to do Die Hard on a boat now. I guess that would be, what, Speed 2? <laughs> anyway. Or Under Siege. Oh, there you go. Uh, the much better option. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> so overall, yeah, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, I am going to disagree with the two-hour runtime. I do not believe this movie needed to be two hours, especially because anyone who's read Bram Stoker's Dracula or has even watched a Dracula movie in the past knows how this movie is going to end. Um, you know, I, I've read Bram Stoker's Dracula, so, you know, the Captain's Log is a great chapter in that book, but we kind of knew what was coming, so why drag it out to two hours? But ultimately, I still think that there are some amazing performances in this movie. It's it's great to see Isling Franciosi, um, who, you know, famously was the, was, uh, the lead in the Nightingale, Jennifer Kent's movie from a couple of years ago. Um, Corey Hawkins as Clemens does a great job, a very subdued performance, but I think it's exactly what the character needed. Liam, Liam Cunningham, just awesome as always, but I feel like the MVP of this movie is going to be David uh, Dasmalshian. Um, he is uh, as kind of the first mate of the uh, and future captain of the Demeter. I thought his performance was just stellar, and uh, let me tell you something. I'm liking this actor more and more every time I see him. He's amazing in Oppenheimer. He was great in the Suicide Squad. I mean, just about everything I've seen him do, you know, even if it's just a goofy comedy, he takes it seriously. I think the first time we saw him was in The Dark Knight as one of the Joker's kind of goons. Um, and he was great in that, too. So, uh, again, just a stellar performance from David. I'm not even sure if I'm saying his last name correctly, Das Malchian, I think is what I've heard online. But yeah, just um, these great performances. Even our young actor, uh, Woody Norman as Toby, I thought does a really good job. Um, but ultimately, like I said, this movie isn't anything too crazily new. We've seen this concept before, you know, a vampire trapped on some kind of vessel. Uh, we saw it a couple of years ago with Blood Vessel, and, and that was like a Strigoi, which was a, a Russian version of a vampire. We've seen it with Blood Red Sky, with, you know, a, a, a vampire on a plane, you know, trapped with the whole crew and, you know, all the all the people on it and everything. So the concept isn't anything new, and ultimately the execution really isn't anything new because, you know, it, it's a one-setting story. We're on a boat the entire fucking movie. What can you really do with that? And what what you can do is have some amazing actors give you some great performances. So if you're not into performance-driven thrillers and horror um, this movie is probably not for you. You know, if you're if you're looking for a vicious vampire who tears people apart, you're not going to get it here. You know, there's not a whole lot of blood in this movie for a vampire movie. It's kind of shocking, but um, 
And and it's a lot more emotional than I expected. Like there's a couple of scenes here, not just with the kid, which is the obvious one, but there's a couple of others like when Mr. Clemens is talking about his time in college and how hard it was for him, you know, to be the first black man to graduate the University of Cambridge, you know, with a medical degree. Um, you know, that's something that was just unheard of in the 1800s. So, to, you know, to hear his story was very compelling. To hear Anna's story was very compelling. You know, how she got on that ship, what her relationship is to our antagonist in the film. Like, all of that works for me. But ultimately, like I said, um, it's nothing you haven't seen before. Even though this movie looks gorgeous, has beautiful set design, the ship looks great, even the the effects, the CG effects are fairly okay. I mean, I would probably, I might give them like an 8 out of 10 for CG. Dracula is a combination of practical and CG effects, obviously. And um, I still think they did a really good job. And obviously, since most of it is at night, anytime we see Dracula, it's pretty much in pitch darkness. So um, any limitations that the that the uh, crew had with the CG effects um, seems to be have been taken care of with the darker lighting. But yeah, for me, this is a character driven story. If you're not into character driven stories, then this is probably not the film for you. I can see a lot of people maybe even saying this isn't really a horror film. I I, I would say it's solidly a horror film. I, I would say, though, that this is not a Dracula movie. That's kind of one thing that's maybe a misconception that's been going around. Yes, this is based on a chapter from Bram Stoker's Dracula, but ultimately Dracula is not the focus of this movie. It is this crew. It's the doomed crew of this ship. Uh, and all of their relationships and th- their personalities and everything else. So if that sounds like something that's interesting to you, then I would I would recommend it because I did enjoy this movie. And you know I don't want to disagree with people saying that the first half of it is slow, but again you're going to watch a movie about a vampire on a boat set in the 1800s. I mean. What what are you expecting exactly as far as excitement goes? But overall, the movie worked for me. It's probably not a top ten candidate for me, you know. Uh, I'm also a little worried about Andre Overdahl. I mean, he's the director of this film, uh, a director that I absolutely adored his first couple of films, uh, you know, uh, Autopsy of Jane Doe and uh, Troll Hunter. Uh, he also did scary stories to tell in the dark, which I did enjoy for what it was. I mean, obviously, it's a much more youth-driven horror film, um, but I still, for the most part, enjoyed it. This one is where Overdahl is starting to look like a studio director, and that worries me because I I love what overall uh, overall <laughs> I love what Overdahl was doing, um, you know, in the independent studios, and it seems like his last two films being big studio films. I just hope that he's not losing that flair, um, you know, that he had with his uh, autopsy of Jane Doe is literally in my top 50 all time. I absolutely adore that film. Troll Hunter was great. You know, bad CGI notwithstanding, Troll Hunter for the time was still a great movie. Um, So hopefully, you know, we're not losing our independent uh, Andre Overdahl to the, you know, big studio Andre Overdahl. So fingers crossed. But yeah, this definitely felt like a studio film, uh, filmed by a studio director. and um, But like I said, because of that, because of the big studio behind it, you're able to get some great actors, um, great performances, some pretty decent effects, and, uh, and beautiful set design. Like I said, the ship looks awesome. I love every part of this ship. So 
Um, like I said, if you're prepared for a slightly slower uh, vampire thriller, then I think this is the one for you. If not, then I would say stick with Blood Red Sky. That one has a lot of action, a lot of blood, probably a lot more what genre fans are looking for. Um, but I still really enjoyed this one overall. That's it for me. All right. Uh, let's go over to Dawn. What were your general thoughts on the movie? Yeah, uh, this is uh, very much one that wasn't for me. Um, yeah, the the two-hour running time killed me. Um, I, I felt it. Um, yeah, this was very much one where um, a lot of my recent uh, watches are, uh, when I do my uh, screener reviews, I, I've kind of gotten into the unfortunate habit of 1.25-ing everything. And this was in desperate need of uh, me doing that because this thing was a drain. Um, a lot of it for me, though, and I, I recognize this after seeing a lot of online talk about it. It wasn't one that came to me when I sat down to watch it, but it was one that came to me when I was reading other people and their reactions to it was that the the idea went in a direction that I don't personally like. Even though I, I look at what was going on here and I look at, you know, the, the technical aspects, the ship design, the atmosphere, the interplay between the crew, everything about it is technically good, but the concept about it is one that went in a direction that doesn't appeal to me. And I think you really, really easily could have done something where you played this off a little bit more like a slasher film where you find out that, you know, you get this crew on board. They're just taking this mysterious cargo. All of a sudden, you know, maybe somebody doesn't return from, you know, their inspection or, you know, somebody goes missing on, you know, one of their rounds and nobody checks in at a certain time. And, you know, everybody starts wondering what's going on and the slow dawning realization that they're stuck on board this ship with this immortal evil that they can't do anything about. I think that would have been a little bit more in the line of how I would have wanted this to go. Yeah, you still get your character interactions. You you know, you still get your, you know, various little bits and pieces about their backstory, and you still get all of this high-end quality stuff. But you play the vampire's presence more of an active role in this because, yeah, you know, you know, the end result of this is going to be everybody gets killed. But... I, I still would have wanted the vampire action a little bit more vampire focused and not a lot of it is present in the film. And that's just the fact that they went in a direction that I'm not particularly a fan of. And yeah, initially when I first saw it, I was just kind of really pissed off that it really wasn't that, it, you know, it was too long. It was too bland. It took too long to get going, you know, all those kinds of, you know, like the, the slow burn kind of critiques, but the fact that it, it took me reading the online um, chatter that I saw to realize that it was because they went in a direction that I don't particularly enjoy is kind of my take on it. So I, I, I kind of liken it to The Shining in the sense that I'm never going to say this is a bad movie. It's just it didn't go in a direction I wanted it to go. And that that's kind of where I, I stand with it. A lot of it, it, it's still a good film. I mean, like I said, you know, the ship looks great. The atmosphere is incredible. Dracula looks fantastic. I mean, you know, the, the combination and the, I, I guess you could say the, you know, 
payoff between, you know, practical and CGI or uh, discrepancy or whatever. I'm trying to think. My mind's going too fast a minute here. <laughs> but, um, and, yeah, I, I guess discrepancy of, you know, using practical and CGI works. You know, he looks incredible. He looks intimidating. He looks like, you know, the immortal, evil, you know, blood-sucking creature that you want him to be. But, yeah, I, I just I, I wish that this would have gone more straightforward horror. I mean, you know, it's it's a chapter of a novel stretched out to a feature length. And it shows, uh, you, you know, you could have told the story a lot quicker. You could have done this at a tidy hour 40, you know, maybe hour 45 if you really wanted to, you know, play around with it. But, yeah, at this, you know, at this pace, it drags. The tempo's really too slow, and there's not a lot of action. But I'm never going to say it's a bad movie. It looks great. There's some tense moments here and there of the crew realizing what's going on. But yeah, just I, I, I want more, you know, blood sucking, you know, neck stamping, you know, figures torn into pieces and vampires lapping up the, you know, viscera remains. Uh, that's really more of like what I want in these kinds of films, and that's not what we got. So it's more a case of it not being what I want it to be, rather than the film not actually being any good. So. That's kind of where I am with it. Um, and again, yeah, just ugh, where's that 1.25 on the theater screen when you need it? <laughs> um, all right. So I think I'm close to Venom, maybe a little bit higher on it, but I definitely think the two-hour running time was a little too much. We We did get a lot of setup. Uh, I did really like the the style of the Dracula character in this as far as kind of like the old school creature version of it. I liked the cast. I thought they were really – I think it was kind of mandatory that you got strong performances out of the cast because um, there was a definitely like what the middle section of the movie did kind of become like um, wash, rinse, repeat where – okay, someone gets killed on Night Watch, then now it's day where Dracula has to go back and, like, sleep. Um, and then night comes again, another person. So, like, it kind of got into that cycle, well, hey, it's a ship. There's limited area that we're working with here. Uh, technically, like, in, you know, in an uh, alternate scenario, Dracula could have just wiped out everyone in one night if he really wanted to, but for the sake of the story. And I think they even came up with the reasoning of like, he was rationing to make sure he didn't expend all his food supply in like the first week. Uh, So at least like they did put something into the story. And I don't know if that was even straight from the book too, because I've never read the novel, but um, like, I don't know how expansive this section of the novel was. So maybe they added that into the dialogue in the movie specifically to justify why, Dracula is not just wiping everyone out. Uh, um, other than that, yeah, like I, I thought what we did get from Dracula, like like some of the deaths were cool, but nothing over the. I was I was really hoping that we would get a little bit like more over the top with with the death and the blood, just because you know you're setting up a scenario where it's a bunch of people in a confined space with this creature. And, like, let's get, like, creative and do some more. It felt a little bit of rained in in that area for me, but not really bad. It was just 
I'll just say it was a little reined in more than to well, to my liking would be. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was happy with the cast. I was happy with the story. I did like the setting. Um, I just think for in this setting, two hours is a little lot to stay um, just because it felt like there was limited things you could do with it. Um, I, I did like the whole dynamic of like you got like the science guy that's like, oh, rational explanation. Of course, the problem with that is when the audience already knows what's going on, it's it's harder to buy into those debates <laughs> between characters because it's like, well, we we know exactly what's happening here, so we're, we're still having to sit through the characters argue about something um, when the movie itself isn't uh, making it ambiguous at all. Like we know exactly what's going on. Um, I I like the. And this, again, I don't know if this was in the novel or not, but like I like the fact that Dracula uh, actually brought along some type of cargo for uh, for possible uh, food if needed. I won't spoil like what that was, but I thought that was a cool element. Um, but overall, yeah, I, I enjoyed the movie. I, I would put it as good, not very good, not great, just good. Um, I, I did like the you know seeing it in a theater. I think help to just because it, it's a big ship in the open sea so seeing it on a big screen kind of helps i guess immerse yourself in that and i was actually like when we when we get to the end of the movie and as far as like what happens to close the movie i kind of was like wow i want to see the next movie if there is one because i was kind of interested to see like what's going to happen the way they set that up i don't know if it was purposely done or if that's just kind of way the the novel like finish yep. or not the novel itself, but just that section of the novel. I, I'm not sure, but uh, nope. So movie uh, specific there. I mean, think about um, it. How could how can we have a guy chasing Dracula in Bram Stoker's Dracula and us not know about it a hundred years later? <laughs> no, it, it's definitely yeah, that was added true. for the movie. Absolutely, the entire character uh, was added for the movie. Okay. Um. Well, yeah, uh, I, I'm interested to see if like they're gonna. Try to do something, but I don't know. It, it, from what I read, the box office on on this wasn't very good, so that's telling me probably not. Uh, I don't think it would get one, even if the box one. office was high. I mean, what is there to tell? I mean, the next movie would just be a Dracula movie. <laughs> that's it, it, and we've gotten about what eighty million Dracula movies already. I mean, sure, we're gonna get more. That's a given. But yeah, I mean, they would have to go. They would have to uh, veer very far away from Bram Stoker's kind of outline. You know what I mean? Like, if they did a sequel to this movie based on the ending of this movie, it would have nothing to do with Bram Stoker's Dracula. So, yeah, I don't think even if this movie was a success, we would get a sequel. Yeah, that's the one thing I was kind of curious about, and I didn't didn't really mention it because I didn't know, like, where it would be as a spoiler. But, I mean, since Mike brought it up, where would this fit in terms of how close it is to the actual novel? Like, if you could the say, watch like, and like, would they be interested? No, I'm I'm just saying, like, okay, like, say you're gonna watch the Lugosi version, and then when it gets to that part of the film, throw this on, and then as soon as this movie's over, switch it back to Lugosi's Dracula, or do the Coppola <laughs> version, or right. like, you know, like, where would this like fit in in terms of connecting with the actual Dracula legend? Well, like I said, since they took a, they took some liberties. Admittedly, it's been over 20 years since uh, I read um, Bram Stoker's Dracula. 
but they definitely did take some liberties with that entire ending. The whole finale is not in the novel. I'll leave it at that for spoilers' sake. Okay, I, I was gonna I was gonna save that until we got into it, but since Mike brought it up, it's not a bad thing. I didn't hate the ending. Uh, there are elements of the ending I did hate, which we'll talk about uh, here in a little bit. Uh, I don't want to talk about it quite yet in case anyone hasn't seen it. But, yeah, there are elements of that finale that, that bothered me, and it does have specifically to do with Dracula. I'm not sure if, if, Mike, you were done with your general thoughts or not, but I've got a lot to say about Dracula. <laughs> I mean, I'm done. Uh, yeah, I was pretty much done with my general thoughts. I didn't want to interrupt any thoughts that you might have had. But, yeah, um, for my money, the weakest part of this movie is Dracula. Um, like I said, because I am a fan of slow burn films, generally I like my slow burn films to have a payoff at the end. And this one, mm, not so much because you kind of know where it's going. Like I said, unless they're going to drastically change the ending, which I thought they were for a little while, there was one event on the boat right before the boat crash where I'm like, wait a minute, did, are they changing the story? But no, they didn't. Uh, it was just kind of a little swerve, which, which you know, I didn't mind. It adds a little bit of excitement to this movie anyway. Um, but yeah, uh, Dracula for me, I, I do like my monstrous Dracula. I like my, you know, kind of 30 days of night style vampire, just ruthless blood suckers i mean they don't they don't just bite your neck they tear your fucking neck out i i am very okay with that style of vampire but dracula himself has a certain mystique don't forget vlad dracul is uh an aristocrat he is the leader of a country um granted a malicious leader but he is still an aristocrat so it kind of bothered me that in this film, and I don't know how much of a spoiler this actually is, it might be, so I apologize, but Dracula is just a monster this whole movie. He is never the aristocratic, well-spoken, debonair vampire that we get. And for the telling of this story, that's fine. I'm not saying that I necessarily needed it, but I would have liked to have seen it, because... Dracula in this movie literally is just a monster that wakes up at night, feeds, and then goes back to bed until the sun goes down again, which is a little too simplistic for me. Um, Mike does have a good point about the cargo that Dracula brought with him. I do not believe I remember that from the novel, um, but it, it could have been. Like I said, it's been over 20 years since I read it. But yeah, Dracula in general in this movie I have multiple issues with. I don't mind the brutality. Dracula is brutal by nature. That's fine. Even before he became a vampire, um, you know, as far as the legends go, he was a brutal, bloodthirsty leader of Wallachia. So, yeah. Um, but that's what I mean. This movie doesn't deal with Vlad the Impaler or Vlad Dracul. It's just this monster on this boat that could be Dracula. It could be any average vampire. Um, obviously because of the ship, uh, you know, and the presentation, we all know it's Dracula, blah, blah, blah. There's no mystery there, but yeah, I, I, I will was, say this I, isn't my Dracula. <laughs> I, I was, I was going to say too, I, as the movie was going on, I was wondering if they were going to do the whole thing where like he starts out as a more creature style, but the more blood he drinks, it starts to like change him to like. The, well, they did. The other version of Dracula. Oh, I mean, oh, oh, it's, uh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, because, like, that, that's one thing I was wondering, too, because, 
even though I haven't read Dracula, I was like, well, isn't the novel kind of based on like Vlad, not not this style? So I was like wondering if he would morph the more he would drink, but not not in that direction. And it didn't right, happen, right. So. I mean, he does morph, and I do appreciate that. I like that he starts out looking like a little. It almost looks like um, uh, Mr. Barlow. <laughs> Uh, and Gollum had a baby. Mr. Barlow being the the vampire from uh, what do you call it? Uh, Salem's Lot. It, it looked like him and Gollum had a baby. This little trembling, little pale, fleshy thing on the ground. But then, as he drinks, he gets bigger. He gets taller. He eventually gets wings, um, which I think we saw in the trailer anyway. So that's not much of a surprise. But yeah, just um, that I appreciated because it does make sense that he's been. However long it took him to get from his castle to the port um, to get on the ship, you know, he doesn't he, he doesn't get to feed that entire time. And then once they get on the boat, he has to wait until the sun goes down. So it makes sense that he's decrepit and kind of small because he hasn't fed in a while. You know, I mean, you could make the argument he hasn't fed in, you know, a couple of weeks. Who knows how long that carriage ride from his castle to the port is? Because Wallachia is not near water, for those who don't know. Or Romania. I mean, it's in Romania. Romania is not near water. You know, it's not near an ocean, to my knowledge, anyway. So um, so that metamorphosis I did kind of like. Um, and, yeah, the way he looked at the end of the film, you know, you know just before the boat is scuttled, you know, I, I thought looked really, really cool, blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, uh, Dracula left a little to be desired here, which is whereas all the other performances were stellar. I mean, there's not a bad performance in this movie. I mean, and, and you know, Javier Baudet, who I do love in everything he does just about, is still a solid Dracula. Uh, I'll still give him his credit. You know, guys like him and Doug Jones, I'm huge fans of, so... Um, and it's funny, I actually called it, I, watching the way Dracula moved, not the way, not the, when we first see him, but after he's fed a couple of times, I'm like, that's Javier, isn't it? That's gotta be Javier. And, and yeah, I go home and check the credits and there's his name. Or should I say, I watched the credits at the theater and there he is. So yeah, that was a nice little surprise. But, um, I, I'm still going to say that Dracula for my money is the weakest part of this film. And that's not necessarily a knock on the film, because I did enjoy this movie. I, I actually think I'm a little bit higher than Mike, because I think this movie is very good. It's not great. It's definitely not great. Um, but I think it's very good. It's a very good depiction of the chapter of Bram Stoker's Dracula. You know, it may not be the bombastic, over-the-top, viscera-filled, you know, gore-fest that a lot of us wanted it to be. But ultimately, it does, you know, it's very loyal to the original novel. And, you know, you kind of had to expect that going into it. So so I wasn't disappointed, really. You know, I, I did not expect, even though going into it, seeing it was an R rating. And, of course, I didn't watch a trailer, so I had no idea how violent the trailer may have implied it being. But I, for the most part, did really, really enjoy it. I may watch it again. I may watch it again before it leaves theaters just because, like Mike said, the set design is beautiful, the atmosphere, the tension, it all works in that darkened theater. So, yeah, I may go see it again. But, um, you know, I still have some issues with Dracula, which will, you know, I'll get into more issues that I have with him and especially that finale. Uh, once we actually get into the walkthrough, which I can't imagine is going to be long today. This is such a formulaic movie. Vampire gets on a boat. Vampire does his thing. Boat crashes at the end. 
done. <laughs> you know, it, it's just a matter of what happens in between there. Um, yeah. Again, not really a spoiler because we all know that the Demeter, you know, is basically – in some versions of Dracula, it just kind of sails onto shore with no crew. In others, it kind of crashes against the rocks, kind of like with this film. So, I mean, there's different interpretations of how the Demeter ended. The Demeter, excuse me. I got to get out of the habit of calling it uh, what I was calling it for 30-plus years. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Anything else you guys want to get into before we get into walkthroughs or sail-throughs? Um, yeah. One of my favorite scenes was the... I think it was the cook, right? When he tried to make yeah. an escape on the lifeboat. I won't, I won't like get into the details about how yeah. that went down, but I thought that was really well done. Um, oh, it was great. The, the use of the fog I thought was great. Um, mm-hmm. Honestly, that was one of my favorite shots of Dracula too. When he lands on that little boat on the, on the lifeboat. I thought, I just thought that looked so cool. Um, but ultimately, you know, like I said, you're dealing with a CG um, vampire, at least when he's flying around and when he lands and takes off and things like that. Once he's on the ground and just kind of doing his vampire thing, it's Javier. It's solidly Javier, but, um, you know, the flying around, you got to deal with some CGI. But luckily it's so foggy you can barely see it. And, again, I love when movies do that, when they realize, okay, our CG is not going to be at Jurassic Park quality, so let's kind of hide it a little bit with darkness, with fog, um, you know, with camera panning, you know, swish pans, things like that. I mean, whatever they can do to make it look better, I'm always down for. And ultimately, it makes sense that Dracula is always, I mean, he's a vampire. Of course he's going to be out at night. And the fog, I mean, you could you could make the argument that he created that fog because it seemed like every time he came out of his uh, crate, suddenly it was foggy outside. So I did like that element as well. So, yeah, the movie did little things right here and there. It just didn't really bring anything new to the table. And I think that's what a lot of us were hoping, that, that, that it would take some liberties, maybe do a little bit something different with the story or um, which, you know, They did minor things differently, specifically with the ending, but otherwise, you know, it's fairly basic. It's a vampire on a boat movie. What else really needs to be said? (laughs) (laughs) True. All right. Let's get into it. That's your spoiler warning, folks. If you haven't seen it, get the hell out of here and go watch it. Or if you don't care to watch it, go ahead and stick around with us. But uh, basically, our movie opens... I don't even remember the opening scene of the film. I, I remember the um, getting on the ship. Oh, right. We're, we're introduced to Clemens, I believe. Um, so basically our movie opens up. We're, intru- we're introduced to Clemens. He is uh, played by Corey Hawkins. He is uh, an African-American doctor. At least he is a doctor by degree. He doesn't have a job because, of course, it's the late 1800s in Europe. Who's going to hire a black doctor? So, you know, obviously he takes work anywhere he can get it. He tries to get uh, the Demeter kind of shows up and says that they need some more hands, um, three to be specific. There's a scene, you know, there's a little back and forth scene where uh, initially Clemens um, is denied entrance um, basically because he's, uh, um, what do you call it? What's his name? Uh, Wojcik, uh, David uh, Malchian. Uh, basically, his character kind of checks his hands, and he sees that his hands are kind of soft, and he's like, well, you know, we don't really need skilled labor. We need, you know, grunt force. You know, we need brutes. Um, 
so we have a scene where they're loading up the boat. One of the guys that did get picked to go on the Demeter, uh, while he's loading up the ship, uh, he sees Dracula's sigil on one of the crates. And being from Wallachia, he instantly recognizes the symbol. He doesn't say specifically what it is, but he realizes, you know, who that represents and what's in those crates. And he instantly, he kind of freaks out at first and he kind of lets go of the rope on one of Dracula's crates. Uh, it ends up falling, almost falling on the captain's grandson, Toby. Of course, our captain is Liam Cunningham. Who else would the captain be in this movie? Um, his grandson is the little boy in the film. And um, when this, you know, boat worker drops the crate or lets go of the rope and the crate falls, it almost falls on Toby. And Clemens is there to save Toby. So, of course, as expected, uh, that worker is kicked off the boat for being useless. Or actually, he leaves voluntarily and basically says, you're all cursed. You know, may God have mercy on your souls, blah, blah, blah. I think he even mentions you're never going to get to England or something like that. You know, he, he starts speaking very cryptic. He ends up quitting and leaving. So, of course, uh, Clemens is invited to be on the ship. And there they go. And um, it is a six-week journey from England to um uh, excuse me, from Romania to uh, England, or from wherever they're taking off. I forget where their port was, but yeah. Uh, from wherever they took off to England, it was a six-week journey. Uh, once they take off, uh, you know, weird little things start happening. I don't think I need to go over every single thing. Uh, we do eventually see that there is a almost like a... Um, a stockhold for animals, basically all the animals that they're going to kill and eat on the journey there, you know, goats, pigs, chickens, blah, 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 are all kept underneath the ship in an area there with the, uh, where they're kept in cages. And obviously, once you see this, you know the fate of all those animals. I don't think I even need to go over that. Eventually, yes, all of the animals in the in the hold are killed. They all have their throats cut or bitten, if you will, just just mangled as shit. Um, of course, they they end up with all the animals being killed. Uh, the doctor looks at them and says, "No, these are all bite marks. Something attacked these animals. I don't think this meat is going to be any good." So they end up getting rid of all the animals, dumping them off the side of the ship. So now everybody's got to have, you know, they, they have to survive on, you know, dried meats and, you know, potatoes and things like that. Uh, so, um, like I said, oh, then at one point they um, are, uh, Clemens, our doctor, is just kind of uh, looking for a noise. He, he hears some kind of knocking, which is kind of how our, our crew communicates on this boat. Uh, which I, I did kind of like that aspect of it. It sounded great in the theater. Basically, they would go to a support beam on the boat and they would knock on it. And that knock would resonate throughout the entire boat, the, you know, the entire uh, cargo hold and everything. So I thought that was kind of cool. And then the, they even play around with that later in the film in the finale, but we'll get to that. Um, so like I said, at this point, oh, we also were introduced to our chef. He is an Asian gentleman. Um, who is very religious. He is the only religious person on this boat. Kind of odd that the only Asian is, but he's not like, you know, into the Tao or any a quote-unquote Asian religion. He's solidly Christian. You know, he reads the Bible. He even has a Bible with him, um, blah, blah, blah. So, of course, you know, we'll get an interaction later on between him and Dracula that should be fairly interesting, as he is the only religious person on the boat. 
Um, and then, you know, suddenly just people start getting picked off left and right. You know, you get, um, oh, wait, before people start getting um, picked off, I forgot to mention that our chef one day was investigating a noise down in the cargo hold. He finds that there is a, one of the crates um, with the dragon symbol on it has tipped over. Ooh, excuse me. Uh, has tipped over and dirt has started coming out of the crate. Suddenly he starts digging through the dirt because he's, you know, he's trying to look for what's supposed to be in that crate because who the hell just travels with 50 crates of soil? <laughs> um, so as he's digging through this crate of soil, uh, he eventually finds a human hand and pulls it out and there's a whole person in there and, that, my friends, is Anna. She is introduced as Anna. Uh, at first, she doesn't speak. Um, she's very sick. Um, she's got bite marks all over her neck and arms. Uh, so our doctor, Dr. Clemens, decides to give her a blood, transpu- uh, a blood transfusion Excuse me, with his own blood. Uh, so he does this multiple times for a bunch of days in a row. Eventually, Anna does wake up, introduces herself, and then basically lets the crew know what's going on. I, w- I wasn't brought here because they all think that she's stowed away. They think she's a stowaway because uh, Clemens was the only one who actually found her in the dirt. And he never actually says that either. So I don't know why. It seems like it would have been a really ex- easy explanation as to how she's not a stowaway, but whatever. Um, so basically, you know, obviously the crew, you know, they have that old antiquated mentality of a woman on the boat is bad luck. They want to, they literally want to throw her off the boat. Uh, but Clemens obviously won't allow it. The captain obviously is a very superstitious man and he doesn't want to just, you know, kick someone off the side of the ship to their impending doom. So, you know, he relents, he lets the woman stay on. Uh, and at this point, she basically turns into our harbinger. She basically gives us, or obviously we as the viewer know what's going on, as Mike mentioned, but she's basically giving now the exposition to the crew uh, of who is on the ship, what is on the ship, and what, you know, how this whole thing is probably going to end up, which is, of course, we're all dead. We're never going to make it to England. Obviously, you know, members of the crew think she's stupid, blah, blah, blah. Clemens doesn't really argue with her too much. Like he, he, he actually believes her, whether he legitimately believed her or not is up to the viewer, but he definitely makes her believe that, you know, he believes her. And obviously Clemens has seen some weird shit throughout the movie. Uh, some unexplained stuff. Like I said, he is a doctor and he recognized the bite marks on, uh, the animals bodies as more people start disappearing um, they start to realize they're not alone on the boat, blah, blah, blah. Anna has given them their exposition so that they know, they know what they're dealing with. You know, a night hunter that, you know, can't be out in the sun, blah, blah, blah. Eventually, one of the crew members is attacked but does not die. Um, basically, um, his uh, Dracula's attack is interrupted by someone else coming up to the ship's deck. So he takes off and... Uh, the crew member who is left alive is barely alive. Eventually, by the next morning, his eyes go completely white, like zombie white. You know what I mean? And then he suddenly has the strength of ten men, and he's chasing Toby around. Toby is basically the first living person that this crew member 
Um, I believe his name was Petrovsky. I could be wrong, but I think it was Petrovsky. Uh, basically is chasing this kid around because he's the first human that he uh, ran into after waking up as a vampire. At least that's what we think right now. Uh, he ends up uh, chasing Toby to the captain's quarters. Toby is able to get the door locked. Um, but unfortunately, because Petrovsky is now you know, uh, potentially a transforming vampire and he's got massive strength. He's actually, he actually just starts slamming his head a la hereditary into the door, just slamming his head into the door. Finally, the door cracks and then he keeps it in the door. Finally, there's like a panel missing from the door that he can get his arm into to potentially grab the lock and unlock the door. Just as he's about to do that, the captain and the first mate and a couple other members of the crew come down and they try to stop him. You know, they realize that he's incredibly strong. He's able to push people away, throw them against the wall, blah, blah, blah. Eventually, Anna comes down with a shotgun and shoots him. And he goes down, believe it or not. He doesn't die, but he does go down after getting shot. Um at this point, you know, they have one of the crew members holding Petrovsky's down to make sure that he doesn't get back up. And then the captain goes to the door to his quarters to make sure that his grandson is okay. And he looks in the door and sees that the grandson is not alone in there. There is someone back in, in the back corner of the room just kind of squatted down and hiding uh, who's basically stalking Toby. And instantly the captain and the first mate are yelling at Toby to run to the door, unlock it really quick. Unfortunately, Toby is frozen with fear. Dracula eventually does stand up and he is at this point after eating all the animals and eating a couple of crew members, he's a lot taller, a lot buffer. And uh, he does end up attacking Toby and yeah, uh, Toby ends up being dispatched. And that's one of the things I really do like about this movie. And I've said this before and I'll say it again. Any movie that's not ha uh, scared to go hard on kids is okay in my book because, hey, yeah. kids are people too. Especially, especially like, I know the movie was probably a good portion in, but I still felt it was relatively early for it to happen. I figured he would survive a few more near misses but before ultimately being dispatched of. But when it happened, I was like, oh, shit, like we still got a lot of movie to go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it, and it was a very emotional scene. I mean, it's a slow death. Dracula picks him up, bites him on the neck. We don't actually see the bite probably because it's a kid, but he definitely, you know, he pulls the kid up by his neck bites them. We see the kids' legs dangling there, shaking, shaking, and then they stop moving altogether. Mm -hmm. Finally, the captain and his first mate are able to get the door down, but by that point, it's too late. Toby is basically laying on the ground. He's almost dead. He's not quite dead. He has a very faint heartbeat. Uh, so the captain decides to give Toby a series of blood transfus transfusions from his own blood. Uh, they are blood relatives, so that obviously there's no question there. I forgot, to, I forgot to mention, it's pretty odd that the doctor just volunteered to give Anna the blood transfusion, not knowing anything about his or her blood type. So, you know, whatever. Okay. But obviously with the, with the captain and his grandson, they, they, had, they share DNA, so they should be okay to share blood. Uh, the captain spends the next couple of days trying to give uh, – oh, before that, um, the crew member that survived, I forgot to mention. So um, 
Petrovsky, the crew member that survived, is no longer human. His eyes are just completely white. And, you know, like I said, he's got this massive strength. They end up tying him to the mast, to the main mast of the ship outside up on the deck. And it's and it's it's very early morning. Like the sun hasn't quite come up yet. It's starting to peak, you know, above the horizon. And then as the sun comes up and the sunlight hits Petrovsky, he fucking just bursts in the flame. And I love that. You know, no no bullshit, no BS, you know, oh, this hurts, just bam, he is just on fire, engulfed in flame. I mean, he would have died within minutes if uh, Anna didn't, or not Anna, if um, Wojciech, the first uh, the first mate, didn't shoot him out of mercy. Basically, he took the rifle and, you know, shot him. We don't actually see where he shot him, but he does shoot him. And um, the fire continues raging until there's nothing left of the body. It's just an absolute mess. So, Obviously, at this point, everyone on the crew realizes that they're dealing with some kind of virus transferred from this antagonist on the boat. So the captain decides to give Toby some blood transfusions. He does that for a couple of days, but then eventually Toby's heart stops and he's gone. He's basically dead. The captain is obviously very distraught, but they do end up having, you know, a burial at sea. Um, the captain, who is usually the one who handles, like, the scripture reading and whatnot during a funeral, um, he's a little too just emotional to do it himself. So Anna volunteers to do it, and she does a very basic prayer about hoping that Toby's pain is done and that he is now somewhere where he can be happy and safe and warm and everything else. And then just as they're about to dump uh, Toby's body into the ocean, it is wrapped in cloth at this point, so you can't actually see it. Uh, just as they're about to dump Toby's body into the ocean, the captain says, stop, I saw him move. And, of course, everyone on the boat just thinks that, you know, he's seeing what he wants to see, you know, because it's his only grandson, potentially his only family. Um, since his grandson is with him and not with his mother and father, he, you kind of assume maybe they're out of the picture. Um, but anyway, like I said, the captain says, no, stop. He moved. He moved. I, I'm, I'm sure he moved. Everyone's trying to tell him, no, he didn't move, captain. He is very gone. Eventually, the captain goes up to the body, uh, tears the cloth in front of Toby's face, and we see, you know, Toby's dead body, pale as shit. Looks like all the blood has been drained out of him. Uh, the captain starts to cry. Um, because he thinks he was wrong. Oh, shit, I guess he didn't move. But then, of course, this is a horror movie, so after a few seconds, Toby's eyes open, and they are totally white, just like Petrovsky's eyes were, and he goes to attack his grandfather. At the exact moment that he goes to attack his grandfather to bite his neck, the sunlight hits him, and he bursts into flame, Unfortunately, he's in an embrace with the captain because he's in the process of biting his neck. And so the captain partially bursts into flame as well. Uh, they dump Toby's burning body into the ocean. And this movie really went for the emotion because they, they lingered on the shot of Toby's body falling into the water. Like, I thought it would just be a quick shot and he would just disappear into the darkness. But no, the camera, like, follows him down. Uh, it, almost like it's trying to prove to the audience, yes, look, he is actually very, very dead. He's not going to get back up. He's obviously burned to a crisp. 
Um, not quite as bad as Petrovsky because, you know, obviously he was thrown in the water mid-burn. So at this point now, the captain has been bitten and he's got just, um, you know, scar, uh, burns all over him, like third-degree burns on his hands, his arms. He's got some third-degree burns on his face. He's got some second-degree burns on his shoulders. He's just all tore up. Um, and when he is in the room in his quarters kind of mourning Toby's death, at this point there's only a few people left on the boat. It's pretty much just the captain, Clemens, Anna, Wojcik, um, and maybe one other crew member is left. Oh, uh, the, the cook, and the cook is left at this point. Um, the captain obviously is having a rough time. Uh, this is when the first mate, Wojcik, basically says we should scuttle the boat. There, you know, if this thing gets to England, it's just going to decimate everything. I mean, if it's doing this much damage to a, to a crew of big, burly sailors on a boat, imagine what's, what it's going to do when it gets to prim and proper England. So, you know, they, they want to scuttle the boat. The captain obviously does not want to. He ends up pulling out a gun and pointing it at his first mate. Um, when Anna comes into the room and says, no, he's right, we need to scuttle the boat, the captain then points the gun at her. He's pissed off that, you know, everybody's uh, basically doing this shit. But eventually the captain does relent, and they start to formulate a plan where they're going to they're gonna set up Dracula, they're going to set up a trap for him where they're going to have Anna um, actually driving the boat, you know, at the wheel. Uh, while the other members of the boat are up in the crow's nest, you know, with rifles ready to attack when Dracula comes out, you know, to attack the girl. Unfortunately, Dracula is a lot smarter than they think he is. Dracula is well aware that it's a trap, and instead of attacking the girl who's by herself at the, at the, at the wheel, he goes ahead and attacks the guys up on the crow's nest. And this is the first time we see Dracula flying. He's, he's fed so many times that now he's got wings. He's got the ability to fly. He still can't fly across an ocean, you know, to make it all the way to England. Um, but he can do some pretty major flying. And um, after this attack doesn't work, we end up losing another crew member. We almost lose our first mate when he falls out of the crow's nest, but he ends up surviving. And then um, this is when the cook decides, I, I can't take this anymore. Uh, because he's very religious, he basically says this ship is doomed. It's been taken over by the devil. There's evil on this boat, blah, blah, blah. And he takes the lifeboat um, and just tries to, to row away. Eventually, after a couple of minutes of rowing away from the Demeter, he starts to hear the wing flapping sound. And he starts to hear movement around him in the water. And I think he kind of realizes what's going on. Eventually, we do see Dracula flying up there. And this is the scene that I was talking about looks really cool. Because when he lands on the front of the boat, he literally, you know, he puts his feet down on the front of the boat. He retracts his wings and then sits down at the edge of the of the lifeboat in a very animalistic way. It's pretty fucking cool. Um, very uh, cryptozoology for those of you who are into, uh, you know, that kind of crypto. <laughs> um, and of course, you know, he takes out the, uh, the cook. Unfortunately, we don't see it. What we end up seeing is that somehow the lifeboat 
catches up to the to the Demeter, and the crew that's still left alive on the ship look down and they see that the the lifeboat has been released. There is a Bible and a blood puddle in the lifeboat, so everyone figures ah oh, the cook tried to leave and didn't quite make it. Uh, they grab the lifeboat, bring it back up on the boat because uh, they want to try their little plan again. This time what they're going to do is they're just going to try to scuttle the boat, basically sink it, excuse me, and try to sink it while Dracula is on there. Because even though, yeah, Dracula can swim, excuse me, he can fly, he can't swim. Obviously, you know, the whole thing with vampires and water. I'm not sure how, you know, how much this universe kind of relies on that particular trope, vampire trope, but, you know, um, he never touches water that I notice in the movie anyway. So, so like I said, they decide to try to sink the boat. Eventually, um, they do end up um, using like an axe, a pickaxe, and, you know, uh, putting a hole down in the cargo hold. There's a big struggle. Obviously, Dracula is fighting with everybody. Dracula ends up killing the first mate. Um, while he's trying to scuttle the boat, and eventually Clemens has to come down and kind of finish the job. So the boat is basically sinking. Um, Clemens, at this point, Clemens, the captain is still alive, but the captain has made the decision to stay with the boat because he's a good captain, and cap a good captain, you know, goes down with the ship. So at this point, it's just Clemens and Anna left alive. Um they end up having this, you know, you know, a little bit of a struggle with Dracula to the point where eventually uh, Dracula actually gets impaled on the mast. Like he's he, he's at the base of the mast, kind of leaning against it, and then the mast breaks in half and folds over on itself, and it, it almost looks like it impales Dracula. That's what I was thinking. Holy shit! Are they changing the story? This seems weird. Um, uh, but no, Dracula is able to get, uh, basically, um, Clemens and Anna get off the ship. There's nobody left on the ship but Dracula. Um, eventually it does hit the shore and, you know, it, it never actually sinks out in the open water like they wanted it to because of Dracula's interaction. Um, so eventually Dracula, um, the ship basically just hits the rocks on the shore and it's just there on the shore, just in shambles. And we see Dracula, you know, push the half of the mass that's kind of pinning him against the bottom half of the mass. He's able to just push it off and gets off the boat without issue. We see uh, Clemens and Anna floating on a piece of wood towards England. They're literally just like less than a mile away from the shore, the shores of England. And that's when Anna's eyes turn white. And that's when Clemens, you know, is like, wait a minute, I gave you a transfusion. I thought I saved you. And she's like, no, you could never, re you could never reverse what Dracula has done. All you can do is postpone it. And she does, she is still appreciative of him postponing it, if you will, giving her a few extra days of life. Um, but unfortunately, the sun is rising, and Anna's eyes are now completely white, so we all kind of know what's going on. Anna has one last exchange with Clemens where she explains, um, I've never made a choice in my life. All my life, my choices have been made for me. You know, my family and my village gave me to Dracula as a peace offering so that he wouldn't attack the village. So I'm finally making a decision for myself, and I'm just going to stay here 
um, while the sun goes comes up. And, you know, Clemens obviously wants to save her. He thinks that maybe they can get to the shore in time so that he can continue with the transfusions. Anna says, no, I've made my decision. Uh, we see Anna uh, basically split off from the from the kind of thing that they're floating on. It, it's basically two big pieces of wood held together with like a cloth, like, like a piece of the, uh, the sail. Um, eventually she splits off from Clemens and kind of sails off. The sun does come up and she instantly burns in the flames. I'll give her credit though. She doesn't scream once. She's a badass. So that, that was pretty awesome. Don't give Dracula the satisfaction, even though he ain't around to really hear it. Um, yeah, I thought that was cool. Um, and then, you know, that's kind of the end of that scene. Clemens eventually does get to the water, um, and then we kind of get to the opening scene where the opening scene, and I actually skipped the entire opening scene where the Demeter is actually on the shore, uh, broken down, and it's the police constable who's there investigating, trying to find out what happened to the boat. They find the captain's log, and then that's when he starts reading it, and that's when we go into the bulk of our movie. So, so the movie ends where it started with the Demeter, you know, basically on the rocks, broken down. And then what we see is uh, Mr. Clemens at a bar and he's writing into a journal and he's basically saying, you know, I, I know that Dracula survived. I know that he's here in England and I need to stop him. Basically, Clemens has made himself a vampire hunter who is now hunting Dracula. And what ends up happening is while he's in this pub having a drink, he hears the knocking, uh, the knocking from the boat, the way that all the crew members communicated with each other. And he starts looking around, like, because it sounds familiar. Finally, he turns around and he sees a distinguished gentleman in a coat and tails, a top hat, and he's got the wolf head cane, uh, you know, that we, we, we saw earlier in the film. And he's tapping it on the, on the floor of the pub in the exact same cadence that they did on the ship. So, it's, so he would basically get Clemens' attention right away. Now, the thing that I don't like about this scene is that Dracula is still a fucking monster in this scene. You know, like where again, where is the aristocratic, you know, debonair, charming Dracula that we get, you know, from Coppola, from James, uh, excuse me, from Todd Browning, blah, blah, blah. You know, um, again, I love my animalistic vampires. I really do. But this is Dracula and Dracula is. As I've already said, he's an aristocrat. Yes, he's an aristocrat that drinks blood and kills virgins, but he is still an, an aristocrat. That, um, that's, so, what kinda, that's what kind of threw me off because when we get the shot of him in the corner or in the yeah. side, like where he's, he's playing with our main character, kind of almost antagonizing him, letting yep. him know he's out there, I was like, wait a minute. Is he just literally the creature in, like, a suit? Because, like... Yeah. <laughs> it, it seems like he'd be more more uh, more at place in like the Star Wars cantina than like a bar in England. <laughs> <You> know, <I'm laughs> like, yes, <laughs> that's very very valid. <laughs> but like that's, that's my major problem with that finale. Like they, like I I was actually there was a tiny tiny little piece of me that was hoping it was going to be Gary Oldman that they were actually going to get Gary Oldman to just do like a five-second scene in the pub at the end. But obviously, you know, that's another big-name actor you have to get. And he's probably beyond doing horror movies anyway. But 
I <laughs> I was really really hoping for like half a second that it would actually be you know Gary Oldman's uh, Dracula, but no, it's just the same old monster from the boat, just with clothes on, and he's hiding his face. He's got you know a tall collar. He's wearing a top hat. He looks very much like Mister Hyde, um, but just with fucking vampire teeth. And in this movie. Uh, Dracula doesn't just have like a pair of canine fangs. His entire mouth is filled with fucking sharp little daggers. I mean, he literally looks the most monstrous I think we've ever seen a Dracula interpretation. So, you know, I'll, I'll happily accept that. But I, like I said, I still re- really would have liked to have seen the debonair aristocratic Dracula for that final scene and maybe even have him sit at the table with Clemens, you know, fuck with him. Have like a Pacino De Niro heat moment, you know, where the the hero and the villain are sitting at a table exchanging words, but that's not what happens. Uh, Basically Dracula um, walks by Clemens and kind of scratches his neck um, so that there's a little cut there at the edge of his neck. I, I don't know if that was just a fuck you, I can kill you anytime I want, or if he's actually trying to transform Clemens into a vampire. Like I said, the rules in this universe aren't ultra clear. Obviously, a bite will turn you. Uh, if the bite doesn't kill you, it'll turn you, blah, blah, blah. But I'm not sure about scratches, because there are some films out there where a vampire or even a werewolf can just scratch you. Like, they don't actually have to bite you. Literally, if they break the skin with any part of their body, you're fucked. So. Yeah, any kind of wound that doesn't kill you usually converted you. Well, in exactly. some, with some in more, some. I guess. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, and then the movie kind of ends with Clemens running out, running out of the pub, chasing after Dracula. He sees Dracula way down the road. And then he has, like, an inner monologue where he says, well, you know, I will continue to hunt Dracula until I stop him, until I finally put him to rest. And he walks off into the fog, and that's our movie. (laughs) What was that? I'm sorry. I said it felt like Blade. (laughs) Well, I mean, (laughs) honestly, (laughs) kind of. Blade without the cool sword fights. 18th century boy Blade. Uh, But, yeah, it it was kind of interesting, you know, the decision – you know, to cast a black man in this role. Because like I said, I don't remember Clemens' character from the original novel. He may be in there, honestly. Um, but like I said earlier, it's been over 20 years since I've read Dracula. So um, I don't remember him in that chapter of uh, Bram Stoker's. So who knows? But yeah, that's they almost leave the film. Like I said, like they're setting up a sequel or a series of films. And it's like, I don't know. I, I guess I would be okay having a sequel, but where it's Clemens going after other vampires, like no more Dracula, leave Dracula alone. Um, We've already got Dracula movies. We don't need any more, but maybe Clemens goes out hunting some of Dracula's helpers, some of his familiars, maybe shit like that. Like I, I might be down to watch that. They would definitely have to up the gore, up the blood, you know, up everything. I mean, it's a sequel, you know, you got to go over the top. Especially because that's what everybody was wishing this movie would be, an over-the-top, gory vampire movie, and this just isn't that. This is definitely a more cerebral, um, slow-paced, you know, (laughs) very slow-paced to some people, um, just kind of look at the journey from Romania to England, so... I, I still really did like this movie. I, I liked it a lot. Uh, like I said, I like slow burns. I like character-driven movies. I like good performances. 
I mean, as of right now, my number one of the year is Brooklyn 45, and that's solidly because of the performances of everyone in that movie. So kind of surprising that this one didn't jump out at me as a top 10 candidate. But like I said, it's just missing one or two elements that could have done it. But And that runtime. I mean, that runtime is going to be a big complaint for a lot of people, especially because we know where this story is going. It didn't need to be two hours. Anyone who's read Bram Stoker's Dracula knows how this chapter goes. Obviously, the filmmakers will take some liberties and add some extra stuff, which they did. Um, but ultimately, we know where the story's going. We know how it's going to end. I honestly thought nobody was going to survive the boat. Like, I figured they were just going to kill everybody, and then Dracula just goes to Carfax Abbey and, you know, moves into his new mansion. But that's not what we got, so... I'm still very okay with what we got. It just could have been a lot more exciting, a lot more fun. Because that's one thing. This movie's not fun. Um, you know, usually with, uh, like, you know, bloody, gory vampire movies, there's that fun factor. This one doesn't really have that. This one, like I said, it's a very emotional movie. I mean, and we don't we don't have to just watch a kid die once. we got to watch him die twice violently both times too so like i said i appreciate movies that go hard on kids absolutely um but i was surprised at the emotional level of this movie i honestly thought it was going to be a way more bloody affair um you know and unfortunately it may be hurting its bottom line because of that because ultimately a movie that like this that makes me happy is probably not going to make the bulk of horror fans happy so you know, take it with a grain of salt, folks. If you haven't seen it yet, I personally would still recommend it, um, especially in the theater. It's got beautiful sound design, great atmosphere, beautiful sets, um, all of it, you know. And I also love how the crew members, you know, because being 1800s England, some of the crew members could have gone slightly pirate, you know, like either with their mannerisms or their speech or whatever. And I'm glad they didn't do that shit at all. They took this movie very seriously. Um, pretty much beginning to end, and I do appreciate that. Though, maybe a little humor, you know, <laughs> would have uh, helped out the movie a little bit. I don't know. I'm not saying that it definitely would have, but who knows? It might have. <laughs> I don't know how – I mean, you know, comedic vampire movies do work. I'm not saying make this a comedic movie by any stretch, but I don't know. Like, usually there'll be one crew member that's like the comic relief, and we get no comic relief in this movie. Everybody's serious. Everybody, you know, um, takes the threat seriously. They all try to do their part to end the threat. Obviously, it doesn't go their way, but, you know, I, I can still appreciate that aspect of it. All right. I think I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we learned just enough about characters before they get led to the slaughter. Like, you could tell. Yeah. Not a lot of and insipid it, character development. I appreciate that as well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for a two-hour movie, you, you you would almost bet money that the first half hour is going to be nothing but character development, but they do it fairly quickly, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, literally the opening scene is, is like, like during the opening credits even, is them uh, traveling to the ship with the cargo, so they get right to it at least. Yep. No waiting. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, a couple of things you touched on, like I, I did like the scenes of like people burning up at the sun and especially the fact that they did it with the kid, <laughs> like, yeah, that, awesome. was, that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> like I said, I don't hate kids, folks. I know it sounds like I hate kids. No. I'm just saying that I appreciate when movies aren't scared to go after kids. Because it, it's one of the last taboos of horror movies, you know? How often do you see a kid violently die in a Hollywood horror film, you know? You see it more in foreign horror, yes. But when an American film does it, I got to give it its props. So there you go. Yeah, especially when the scenario calls for it, because if you look at the setup of the story, it's like, okay, they're on a doomed ship. This voyage is not going to go well for just about everyone. So how? what's the probability of this kid being one of the survivors? Like, exactly. if you would have told, told me going into the movie, I probably would have guessed that the kid did survive just because that's what the, you yeah. know, the bigger budget movies happen to always they, – they work something into the story. Like, oh, he found a hiding place. Or something, but the fact that they're like, nope, uh, he's getting taken out. Um, yeah. I was like, okay, I'm pretty impressed with that. Yeah, I mean, halfway through the movie, I would have bet money that Clemens, Anna, and Toby all were going to survive. And then by the end, nope, two of them have burned to a crisp. So <laughs> I do appreciate that. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess you could say the ship has sailed on our discussion on the movie, yeah. so, uh, <laughs> hey, I saved it for the end. <laughs> but uh, before we get out of here, let's find out if there's anything new from all of us to check out. So, Venom, is there anything else that uh, you have released since our last recording? Unfortunately, I have absolutely nothing new. Um, Creature Comforts episode 18, where we look at the lake, is still the latest episode. Uh, the main show, what, episode 54 is the latest episode. That's been out for a couple of weeks now. And uh, Crystal Lake Gift Shop, still episode 3 is our latest one there. So, yeah, unfortunately, I find with the summer, I don't podcast as much. And it's not necessarily because I'm such an outdoorsy kind of guy. I, it's just that in the summer, everybody has a poker game. And when everybody has a poker game, I'm never home. So, yeah. Uh, just to have not had as many opportunities to record over the last month or so. So as the, as the weather starts to cool off, that will change. And we'll get back to a normal release cadence for the other shows. All right. Uh, how about you, Don? Yeah, not much. Um, like you said, uh, Creature Comforts is uh, waiting on uh, availability to get the new episode together. There's, uh, as I mentioned, uh, the latest episode of Road to Nowhere, where I, I talk the host through three Lucio Fulci films. Uh, still waiting on uh, Sue World Order. Uh, again, that took a while with uh, Road to Nowhere, but um, we'll get that one eventually. And uh, hopefully coming soon will be my guest uh, shot on uh, Joe Blow Horror, where we do uh, Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City. Um, but the other, other one I have is the uh, latest episode of Horror Countdown, where me and my, uh, me and my, me and a guest, uh, we look at top ten cannibal films. So, finger looking good time, that one. So... Um, yeah, other than that, not much else. All right. Uh, as far as I go, yeah, nothing new to report. The main show, it did get pushed from our original recording date, but if all goes well, it will be recording later this week. So it, it probably wouldn't have been released uh, at the time of this recording anyway. So 
Um, if, is, if all goes well, it'll be in the can before the weekend, and then early, sometime early next week, it'll be out. Uh, as long as our next episode of this show, Fresh Cuts. Speaking of which, I think this is like our weekend off from the theater for August, correct? Um, I've got something opening out here called The Haunting of the Queen Mary. Um, I'm not sure how big a release that is. It is playing at AMC theaters out here, so I'm not sure. But it's it's one I'm definitely going to go see because I've actually been on a paranormal investigation on the Queen Mary. Uh, I'd say probably like four or five years ago, Mrs. Venom and myself actually went to the Queen Mary and took part in a paranormal investigation. You know, they gave us all the devices, the the infrared cameras and, you know, the uh, the noisemaker thing, uh, the EKG, EPG, mm-hmm. EP, uh, EVP, there it is, EVP, um, the electronic voice phenomenon. There we go. Um, and it was actually pretty cool. I can't say that I saw or heard anything. But I will say that the way it's presented to you, it's just terrifying in general because eventually you go down into the catacombs of the ship and it's just pitch dark down there. There's like no light whatsoever. Uh, Anyway, the point is uh, that movie opens this week. Um, It's not a documentary. It's an actual horror film called The Haunting of the Queen Mary. Uh, Like I said, I don't know how wide a release that is, so that's a potential. Otherwise, we can fall back on Cobweb since that now has a VOD release. I uh, The very first year that the – you're talking about the Queen Mary in Long Beach Harbor? Is it still yes, there? Yes, sir. It's the still ver- there, yep. The very first year they started doing the haunts on that, I went with my friend Doug. He he did the Season Pass podcast, which is like a theme park nice. uh, podcast, and every October he would cover like all the haunts in SoCal and some of the ones up here. But I used to – he used to get like um, – like passes, like media passes for all this, and he would bring me as like the plus one. And yeah, that first year on the Queen Mary was cool because because he was part of the press event. It was like catered with like foods and drinks, and then we got to like just go to the front of the line and walk through there. And it, it, it's really cool, like the way they have the haunt set up. Obviously, it's like enhanced because it's a haunt, but just walking through like a ship like that was a really cool atmosphere. So. For anyone that listens that's in, like, anywhere in Southern California, I I think it's worth it. And it's probably even better now because we're, I think, what, five, six, seven years removed from when I went. So I'm sure they've made it even better. Um, I went, like, five years ago. so And I had a great time, like I said. Because they have two different ones. They have the one that's during the day that's got, like, lights and sounds and everything where they, they kind of enhance it themselves. It's kind of more of a touristy attraction type thing. But then they actually have the midnight ghost walk where they actually give you the equipment um, and, you know, you're going around recording all through different parts of the ship. We actually did both of them because we stayed on the boat that night. Uh, so we did both things. And, and like I said, the, the, the touristy one is okay. Like I said, they add ghostly sounds and lights and shit like that just for atmosphere. But the one at midnight is really cool. Like if, if you're into paranormal investigation – I highly suggest a midnight ghost walk on the uh, on the Queen Mary if you're in Southern California. Otherwise, go find a haunt near you. I'm sure there's plenty. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, that's pretty much going to wrap up this episode. Like I said, we're going to be choosing some of from VOD, and since we've had you know a few uh, theatrical Uh-oh. episodes in a row, we got we should have some stuff piled up by now. <laughs> I'm looking at my list of movies for the week, and uh, 
I just I just noticed the advertisement for the tenth anniversary of Sharknado in theaters this weekend. So oh, wow. maybe if Don and I can talk Mike into uh thinking Sharknado is, is a fresh cut. <laughs> we might do that. <laughs> I I know there's a Spanish horror film that dropped on Shutter last week. Uh, I don't oh, really nice. know anything about it. Um Well then we've got options. Yeah. There's there's a good amount of stuff out um that's yeah. piled up a little bit plus whatever gets added this week. So we will figure it out. But until then, thank you, everybody, for listening to Fresh Cuts. We will catch you next week for another episode. So until then, let's say bye to our listeners. Later. I've said this before. I'll say it again. Stay on land. There's no reason to go on the water. We don't have gills. We don't have fins. Just stay on land. (laughs) Yeah, that's probably a safe bet. (laughs) There you go. Like every time I watch, every time I see a list of top 10 ways to prevent a shark attack, I'm always shocked that all 10 aren't stay out of the water. (laughs) Yeah, that's why we made swimming pools. (laughs) There you go. Later on, folks. Later.